podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show, Edge Rush. It's Edge Rush time, propo. You look really animated by that prospect. Oh yeah, we're incredibly animated by the prospect. I think, to be completely honest with you, I mm. was just waiting for the instant recognition for our success last this. week. Let's get straight down to yeah, it. Yeah, that's why I don't know why you needed to talk about anything else, to be honest. I, well, first things first, I would like to consider recording some kind of professional edge rush it like we can drop in i'd like i'd like you to as our producer to look at that what what do you mean well you like a kind of sting you can drop in at the beginning oh a sting oh okay yeah yeah only if you sing it <laughs> yeah. that is the only way i'll do it, is gonna it? and also as all the listeners know because you frequently tell them you used to be a mm. dj so i'm sure you could produce it yourself shall as well we, shall we get i and mike to record just a, a ridiculous off the chart edge rush actually no that might get a bit grating that could get it that could get very grating very early doors hey, and he break- also wouldn't do it he would just take the mic he would refuse to do it uh, or, or he demanded a ridiculous amount of money to record it uh, the uh, there's a poll on Twitter at the NC show is how you follow us uh, on Twitter same handle on Instagram and Facebook a poll on Twitter being put out uh, the fellas are taping a new edge rush soon but whose picks are you most looking forward to and there are three options there is you proper mm-hmm. and there is Matilda the cat yeah, it makes sense. The three major parts surprise. of the show. Right, you were right. Yeah. Matilda the cat is surging ahead in the polls with 62% of the vote after her extraordinary pick for Sunday Night Football last week where she took the Ravens and where very few others did. But she was on the Ravens and she was right. It's an excellent pick. I mean, honestly, you can't fault it in any sense because <laughs> every single person was on the, the Chiefs. And the fact mm. that the rumours are as well that when the injury report came out and that meant the line went up to even five and a half for the Chiefs, I heard Matilda double down and said she liked it even more. <laughs> double down. Well, the good news here is Matilda the Cat, Sunday Night Football pick, coming back this week. She is going to pick, uh, she has already picked, and we're going to announce her pick uh, later on in the show, whether she's got 49ers or Packers this time round. And we're going to roll out on our social channels. Go check it out. Uh, photographic. Uh, evidence of this and uh, in right in the moment I put a uh, a biscuit in either hand and one hand was the 49ers one hand was the Packers open up my hand and whichever one Matilda went for now she I, I don't want to show my hand right now but she definitely flip-flopped a little bit before making her pick. really so yeah. just a tough one it is a tough a t- one it was a tough one we're going to look at that ourselves in, in a bit as well um, we should as you suggest big up our picks from last week very quickly because we had a good week again right so our drew locks of the week both landed we are both two and over our drew locks of the week which is yeah which is impressive um the raiders steelers one was a little bit closer than i expected but that's largely just because tj Watt got injured i think i don't think Mm. it would have got close to it if tj i mean tj Watt was disrupting that raiders offense completely until um i mean car even said straight after the game he said that as soon as Watt left he was seeing everything a lot clearer (laughs) a lot clearer (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I think demonstrates just how big of an impact what makes, but that's still hit. Um, and the Packers one, interestingly, yeah. quick take on it, because we've got to go through it. I would say that although it was a great bet, that bet landed because of the incompetence of the Lions in the second half rather than the dominance of the Packers. 
and yeah, Rogers specifically. Yeah, it's a fair corner. I was definitely a little bit nervy at half time. Yeah, I was thinking that it was. Yeah. It didn't feel like the Packers were returning to their dominant self of last year, did it? But isn't, no, it definitely didn't feel like that at all. But nevertheless, and this was a stat we dropped on our preview show with uh, with Ben Isaacs, which you can check out. We also did a college days with him this week as well. So go back into the vault and listen to those if you haven't already. Uh, if you subscribe to the show, you'll just drop automatically into your podcatcher of choice. But uh, the insane record that Rogers has under Lafleur after after a loss, it is is he seven and zero now? I think after I think a loss, I think it's like nine and zero. Is it nine and zero? Uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Crazy numbers and twenty one and zero touchdowns to interceptions in games after that as well. So yeah, it was uh, it was in the start. So our Drew Locks dropped our Acker of the week. Our Acker of the week did drop and well, it won. It dropped and it won. It dropped into your podcast of choice and it, <laughs> and it also was nice. successful. Patriots. I mean, you always back Bill Belichick against a rookie quarterback and that very yeah. much came to fruition and then yeah. some against the New York Jets. The Bucks, although was a little bit testy at times. How nervous were you at that uh, one point? I mean, do you know what? I wasn't really nervous, largely because if it was, even if the Falcons were up by three points going into the fourth quarter, there's just no world, or I don't even know if there is an alternate universe where Matt Ryan beats Brady in a fourth quarter. I anymore like anyway yeah. I like this that that game is being played right now across seven different planes of reality 84,000 times and 84,000 times the the uh, Brady the Bucks win that game is what you're essentially yeah. saying yeah like, no matter what um, even if the Falcons are up 14 at the two minute warning yeah, yeah, yeah. You still, I still find there'll be some way that the Falcons might find a way to lose that and then our final one was the Broncos I mean Teddy Bridgewater the man just continues to cover spreads the Broncos have the Jets this week and it's just I don't know how they managed to get this easy of a start facing the Giants the Jags and the Jets I don't know who Vic Fangio uh, was speaking to before what he did but yeah they should easily win again this week all right. Well, so pressure on our Drew Locks of the week, then, if we're both 2-0. and oh. And, of course, we're going head-to-head on that, aren't we? So there is going to be a trophy. There is going to be a forfeit. <laughs> so there is extra pressure for us there. Uh, three games we're going to pick for you. We're going to have our Drew Locks. We're going to have Propos Prop Bets of the week as well. We're going to have Matilda's Sunday Night Football pick uh, as well. Uh, and then our Acker of the week, too. So a lot to get into. Let's get straight down to business then. Let's go Chiefs Chargers, first mm. of all. Hell of a game. I mean, it's a really tough call in mm. terms of game of the week here. We're very interested, of course, in uh, in Sunday Night Football and the uh, uh, and the uh, Packers 49ers. We like the look of Monday Night Football too. And both of those games we look at on our preview show with uh, with Ben. Uh, of course, Rams, Bucks, the standout game. I think it's fair to say another game we get into on our preview show. But Chiefs Chargers, we didn't touch on that because we knew we were going to cover it on, here on Edge Rush. And the Chiefs all have got a fight on their hands in the West, right? The, uh, the Chargers, obviously, we knew were going to be decent. The Raiders better than many people expected. Where are you on the charges so far this season offensively? Because Herbert seems to be carrying on where he left off. He's completed 62 of 88, insane completion percentage, 675 yards. That's top five in the NFL. Keenan Allen's balling, Mike Williams stepping up and finally living up to to that potential. His third game with 80 or more receiving yards and a a touchdown reception. But the flip side of all of this, of course, the charges are, in the charges, right? The charges blew so many chances against the Cowboys. Uh, they were one for four in the red zone as well. So they weren't particularly clinical there. Turnovers central. 
penalties and Iron Mike was getting into that, wasn't he, on our Monday show saying the penalties were ridiculous in many respects. But the charges keep on charging and doing uh, throwing games away. So where are you on them at the moment? I think you put it um, pretty well there, to be honest with you. I think ultimately there's no denying that this is an elite offense mm. with Justin Herbert, with Mike Williams, if he can stay healthy. He's had an incredible start to the season. Keaton Allen has had an incredible start to the season. Austin Eckler is one of those backs who is just as good at receiving as he is carrying the ball. Right. They are they have a lot going for them and nothing more than Justin Herbert, who clearly is a brilliant quarterback and has a very, very, very bright future in this league. But I think the one thing that we're seeing is it's a massive change in the coaching system offensively mm. and defensively with Brandon Staley coming in and his team. And realistically, I think that's where we're seeing the struggles in the red zone. I mean, they entered the red zone 10 times in two games and they came away with a touchdown on only three of those drives. Like that's mm. simply, I don't see that being a issue that will carry throughout the season, largely due to the fact that when you have a quarterback as good as Justin Herbert, he is not going to suddenly get cold when he gets to a red zone. I just can't see that happening. He doesn't seem like that kind of character. And I was, I, I mean, um, in the gambling community, should we say that it's been mm. one of the jokes of the week. I think that if you wanted to torture a gambler, over and over again, it would be to make you bet the over every single day in that Chargers Cowboys game and watch it repeatedly <laughs> because it was just, I mean, both offenses moved the ball so freely. Yeah. And then suddenly would get to the red zone and would just turn over the ball out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah or yeah. there would be a flag every time the Chargers put the ball in the end zone. That game goes over sort of nine times out of 10 and all the alternate realities of that game, they all mm. go over, but there was yes. just that situation where the refs for some reason was going to call everything that the Chargers did. Mm. I mean, the Chargers are fifth in total yards per game mm. and they're 27th in total points scored. Right. That, those are two stats that are so inconsistent. Yeah. Which should, should in theory level out. And of course there are issues with the, with the chiefs, uh, defensively certainly uh, as we suspected that there might be and it's a, a common theme on our pods this week we, we got into it a bit with Mike and, and certainly on the uh, the preview show with Ben how every team has a very clear fallibility right there isn't a, at the moment anyway uh, the Bucks are probably the closest I guess but even there there are there are concerns with their ground game they haven't particularly lent on it but Nevertheless, we're not quite sure how strong that's going to be. And secondary, they can, they're giving up yardage, they can get burnt. Uh, similarly, the Chiefs have got a fallibility. Now they've re-upped their offensive line. That was their big spend and big move in the offseason. Uh, yeah, mixed bag so far from, from what we've seen there. No doubt they're going to be able to uh, rack them up against any uh, adversary with that offense and the weapons that they've got, although there is, I think, a concern there that there isn't maybe enough strength in depth after Hill and, and Kelsey. And, and Hill didn't have a, a particularly auspicious game last last time out. What about defensively and looking at this prolific, if not clinical, Chargers offense against this Chiefs defense? How do you see that playing out? Um I think realistically, in the same way that whoever organised the Broncos schedule clearly was giving them a favourable hand, I think whoever was organising the Chiefs opening schedule was doing the exact opposite and has been bored of the uh, Mahomes and Reed dominance <laughs> in this league. Because <laughs> the Browns, I mean, are one of... I mean, the Browns and Ravens are the two best rushing attacks probably in the league. Yeah. 
hands down. Yeah. And that that's who the Chiefs have started against. I think there's going to be more teams than just the Kansas, Kansas City Chiefs who are going to allow the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns that many points, that many yards. Mm. Um, so I don't know. But a banged if, up Ravens ground game, of course. And I know Lamar. It was, but Lamar was just electric. Yards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lamar was just electric. Lamar makes people miss in a way that I've never really seen anyone, probably ever, any athlete ever be able to make tacklers miss. He is Lamar incredible. Picking, yeah, Lamar doing that and Kyler, Kyler's spin move as well. Oh. Those two, when they just put that cut in, are just brilliant. So, so yeah, you're right. Really difficult start. So we shouldn't maybe overreact to the fallibility of, of this run, D. And, and of course, it isn't necessarily an area that in particular that the Chargers can unduly exploit. Um, what about further back though, the secondary? And actually what we haven't really got into is the line here. So the Chiefs favorites, uh, uh, of course, yeah. what is the what is the line at the so moment? This is probably the key thing going into this. Um, the line is at currently six and a half mm. in favor of the Kansas City Chiefs with the over-under at 55 and a half. The one thing that money has come in on the line has seemed to really stay around six, six and a half. I think that's yeah. probably because both teams lost uh, effectively on Sunday um, and in quite sort of close fashion as well. So there probably isn't that much, there isn't that drastic of a reaction uh, to either side. The over is at 55 and a half with there's some, I mean, it just seems to be like every over now, if there's two teams that are relatively good defensively, I mean, relatively good offensively, offensively. not very good defensively, just they put it at 55 and a half. Pile it up, yeah. Yeah, the boogie's <laughs> just like, yeah, just make it 55 and a half, see what happens. So I like, um, I like the charges here with with the points right and uh, yeah. i think if it goes up to seven which it might do uh mentioned well, on a sunday the mahomes yeah, sunday the mahomes yeah. sunday pylon because seven is a crucial number of course so it is i think i will i, I probably take this at six and a half um i might take it at six and i'll definitely take it at seven casey are two and eleven against the spread in the last 13 overall games including playoffs and the visiting team has gone at 12 and four against the spread in mm. games between Los Angeles and Kansas city since the start of the 2013 season. Do you know the last, the only game in the last 13 games that Kansas have won by more than six points was in the AFC mm. championship game against Buffalo. They're not blowing teams out. They really right. like, and I remember us talking about this on one of the first red zone shows we did last season, which was Kansas city just aren't covering the spread and they're not blowing teams out because they just, they just do what they do to need to win. And if it wasn't for an Edwards to left fumble, we would have seen that um, happen again against the Ravens. Realistically. I mean, you back Butker to make that kick every single time. So it's one of those where, I mean, all of the trends, all of the sharp money, I think, will be leaning on the charges here. Yeah. The charges are much better than that performance or that scoreline says against the Cowboys. But there's just a part of me which at six and a half likes the Kansas City Chiefs because I think that people will be overly focusing on that defensive performance. I just think with, mm. we always see this with the Chiefs. We always question their defense at some points in the season. We always yeah. question whether or not if Tyreek Hill gets taken away, what happens to this Kansas City offense? Well, we saw what happens. They scored, what, 35 points? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, Byron in- Pringle had a touchdown at 60 yards. Like, we haven't seen him in about three years. The supporting car stepping up. Uh, injury, uh, to keep injury 
doubts keep it on Justin Jones, uh, the defensive end on the charge side. Chris Harris, maybe a uh, particular concern if he doesn't play uh, start, uh, of course, one of their starting uh, corners. But we like the charges, I, I think. I think that's a, a good start. Let's move on to a game that I think you and I might have a difference of opinion on. Uh, the Dolphins Raiders. Now, of course, a lot depends on who's starting at quarterback for the Dolphins. Or actually, maybe you'll uh, beg to differ there. But Tourist is going to be out. So Jacoby Brissett might get the nod. The Raiders are the team everybody's talking up. They're averaging almost 30 points a game. Derek Carr is front runner for MVP. All the good stuff. All the good stuff. And I will... I'm glad to see that. And I will take all the credit that's thrown my way for being uh, a Raiders supporter in the sense that I felt they were being underrated and... Look, let's let's get real. It's really early doors. They're in a tough division. It could conceivably unravel, but it's fun to watch at the moment because the style of offense they're playing right now. Here's where I think the Raiders are a good pick here. And before I get into the argument, I'll put across the uh, the case for why you should be on the Raiders this weekend. Oh, what are the, what's the line right now? So the line actually uh, came out. So this was originally, I think, a pick'em game before Sunday. Yeah, and then. After that, it moved to five and a half after the Dolphins were blown out and the Raiders beat the Steelers. Yeah. Since then, it has, you can find it at about three and a half. Mm -hmm. And you can now find it about, it's flirting between three and a half and four. So initially, all the money came on the Raiders after Sunday, got to five and a half. Then all the money came in on the Dolphins. This is a classic Mm -hmm. one because everyone's like, five and a half is way too big, including Mm -hmm. myself. Five and a half was way too big. And then it went back to three and a half to four, which I think it should be. Yeah. That's where I think three and a half, four sounds about that number where I go, oh, I actually don't know. Yeah, I, I hear you. And, and it, as we often remind, yeah, the number is, is crucial for obvious reasons, but, but sometimes it is overlooked. I think one of the keys to this game is how effective Darren Waller can be. And Waller, as we know, is a prolific part of this offense anyway. And it is an offense with, with real range, right? Uh, at the moment, although the, the ground game is... Um, not dissimilar, of course, uh, to a number of other teams, the NFL, the Bucks, maybe most notably, where they're just not really using the ground game. The Raiders similarly uh, are doing it all in the air. But Waller is a big, big part of this because up against the man coverage that Miami typically lean towards defensively, Waller is an absolute beast. He, he is arguably the best in the business at man coverage, certainly uh, amongst them. And Miami plays a lot of man, right? Last season, Waller racked up over 500 yards against man coverage. That was more than any other tight end. The next closest to him was Kelsey with 400, about 100 less, I think. Um, This year, uh, so far, Waller's had 36.8% target share against man coverage through two games. Six catches, 87 yards. Simple terms, he is the way to diffuse that man coverage. And when you factor in the other players around him and the way that this offense is playing, the aerial game is playing out for the Raiders. I just think they're going to make a lot of hay that way. Now, look, there is a lot of uh, interest in the quarterback situation in Miami. Either way, either to a plays and he's definitely not 100% because he wouldn't be dated at the stage if he was close to that. Brissette comes in. I just can't see the the Dolphins managing to get a huge amount going, even against a, a defense that is 
gettable. So I can't see a particularly strong argument to go against the Raiders, even even I would say at four, four and a half. So the reason why, in line with your argument, why I don't see there being necessarily that big a difference between Brissett and Tua is because the overarching issue for the Dolphins is the offensive line. Mm. They allowed 11 quarterback hits last week alone, Mm. and they now face Vegas, who have accumulated five sacks and 17 quarterback hits in the last two games. Mm. And that is largely thanks to Max Crosby, who is sensational. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tally two sacks and 10 quarterback hits, and he leads the NFL with 16 quarterback pressures. That is a recipe for disaster to a Miami Dolphins offensive line, which I, from the start of the season, have been questioning because I just don't understand when you see the success that Justin Herbert's having behind a good offensive line compared to what Burrow and two are having to deal with in Cincinnati and Miami. I just think yep. it's a, it's yep. an insane, um, insane approach by the Dolphins and the Bengals. But the only issue I have with this and the line is this is the epitome to me of a of a trap game, trap game, and also just like you've got at some point you've got to buy low, sell high. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it's like this, and these are two teams where the Dolphins couldn't be viewed as any lower right now. They've just mm. been shut out by the Bills. Yeah. They just lost 35 nil, and the Raiders have just gone back to back wins against AFC North teams and two yeah. decent AFC North I, teams. I see it. I see yeah. the trap. Yeah, I and, get it. And Derek Carr is just throwing for 336 yards against the Steelers defense that everyone thought was one of the best in the league mm-hmm. and all of those things. And I, again, as I said at the beginning of the episode, I think TJ Watt leaving the game had a massive role to play in that success that the Raiders have and also the fact that the Steelers, I just don't know what their offense is. They didn't got a lot of problems on that. They don't know what their offense is. Yeah, they don't know what their offense is. It it is shaky. So I think that's my issue. I just don't see Brian Flores is too good a coach. This Dolphins team is too good a team. They've just come off the back of a week of beating the Patriots. Realistically, the reason why they won that game wasn't to it. It was because of the way they defend and the way that Brian Flores has made this team to have a a winning mentality the majority of the time. And, And Brian Flores, and his coaching staff, if coming off the back of a 35-point shutout, mm. are going, 100 dogs run faster and they are mm. going to be hungry this week, Miami Dolphins. I think that's a great, it's a great argument and I, and it that is a cause for concern and it's no doubt, forget what happened against Buffalo, this is a really talented defense and it is a great coach and that secondary in particular that the Jones-Howard tandem is amongst the stronger in the NFL and I could conceivably see them uh, neutralizing and causing and slowing down that passing game, which then is this Josh Jacobs time and Josh Jacobs, are they going to get a ground game going? I hear all that and I like it. And it look, it pains me to go against the, the Finns because as listeners know, it's my team, but I, I like the Raiders here and I will, yeah. they're not my Drew Lock of the week, but I would lean, lean Raiders certainly at three and a half. Um, and maybe take him up to up to four and a half. That so. is the undoubtedly the smart pick. If you take, I always think that the taking the Dolphins in this game is the one where you take them and then you watch them lose 35-17. You are feeling so stupid <laughs> because you're like, <laughs> yeah. why on earth after watching that Bills game and yeah. the Steelers-Raiders game, did I bet on the Dolphins against the Raiders? But then the one thing is, uh, and if you bet on the Raiders and they look somehow the Dolphins keep it within three or whatever happens, you don't feel that stupid. Just mm. in terms of spread trends mm-hmm. and kind of goes in line with what I was saying, the Raiders are currently 0-4 against the spread in their last four games as the betting mm. favourite. Mm-hmm. And the Dolphins, meanwhile, are 4-0 and against the spread as their last four games as a road underdog. 
Yeah, that that's that streak's got to end soon. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I think your stats are going back to 1994, right? The historical stats. Those ones definitely are. Those ones are those nine ones. in the last 55 years. Those are just years. the Raiders. I always <laughs> yeah, just think yeah, when yeah. John Gruden is confident, that's usually when the Raiders come out and uh, with egg on their face. And I think the opposite for the Dolphins. Definitely, that is true. It, it, there is shades of Alan Pardew at the cup final with Gruden's uh, <laughs> celebrations yeah. that worry me uh, massively. All right, um, so we're going to hear Saints-Pats next, right? Um, the Pats, of course, looking looking good after, as you predicted on this very show, Propo, uh, getting in the head of Zach Wilson, who had an absolute mare. Uh, they're getting a lot of pressure on him as well. And of course, that Jets offensive line banged up, but pressured on 46, almost half, 46%, almost half of his dropbacks. Four sacks. They had four picks, of course, as well. Jameis Winston pressured on 64% of his dropbacks uh, last Sunday uh, against Carolina. He was picked off a couple of times. He was sacked a couple of times as well. Did you see what he blamed on? Did you hear what we blamed on? What he said that he wasn't loud enough when he was saying the, when he was like playing, uh, calling the plays and the protection coverage that they needed. He wasn't saying it loudly enough. I just have this, I love this idea that Winston's just there just whispering. Whispering. <laughs> okay. We're at 47. Crap. Turning around saying what at the same time. Yeah. And then what? a, a yeah. Carolina pass rusher, Derek Brown, just, what? running them over I'm just trying to think where that is on, in terms of all time excuses we've got uh, Mike McCarthy of course came up with a brilliant one this week where he said the, uh, the couldn't read the clock the clock broke in in uh, LA's new 20 billion dollar stadium the clock broke that's why he waited 20 seconds before um, uh, before calling a timeout that was a good one um, Randy Sam, Bullock faking a hamstring Randy after, Bullock's uh, hammy yeah, all time all time, all time. All time. Uh, he's just come out and hit a winner to be fair to the guy didn't he so <laughs> Randy I mean we Bullock. can't we can't for the Titans so we can't Sam Donald seeing Ghost that's got to be up there as well oh, that's, that's my favourite that's my favourite not sure if he actually I wonder whether Sam Donald did see ghosts and then he looked at the reaction and he's like, no, no, obviously it was like a figure of speech. I mean, I was, you know, but so whether he thought I'm going to actually, I'm going to talk about my brush with the paranormal and then looked at the immediate reaction and has just backtracked it and kept it down ever since. He's uh, Sam. Well, I mean, now Sam Donald is definitely not seeing ghosts in Carolina, is he? Sam Donald's now the uh, comeback player of the year. Comeback player of the year. MVP, Sam Donald. I uh, think this is interesting in terms of... Fascinating fo- game. Follow it, following your logic through that, we should be all across the pats here, right? Because Jameis is terrible and they're going to be terrible, the Saints. And, you know, the line can't protect him. And well, it's a pretty good line. And he looked pretty good in week one. Yeah. So I'm not sure, well, I'm, sure I'm going to go on this, but if I was, and if I was to listen to you, Propo, and I do, of course, we can be cows, our listeners do as well. But if I follow your uh, innate gambling wisdom, I would think the Saints is where the, the Sharps are looking at. Is that, would I be right? Spot on, Matt. Spot on. I mean, what I'm learning about the Sharps as I do more research into the world of professional gambling and sharp money is they really can't enjoy a lot of the bets that they make because it's always <laughs> betting on the team that you expect to be much worse because of what you've seen the previous week. Right. But that's always going to be where the value is. That's where right. it makes the most sense. So it's right. completely understandable and it makes complete sense. But God, that must be, it's tough. It's a tough life. I can't imagine it's that enjoyable for a lot of the time. There's a lot of sweating, I can imagine. And it's a lot of um, half-time unders as well, which I know. Oh, yeah, which is just horrible. No one wants to sit on a Sunday and watch half 
root for half-time unders. But the, the so, Saints, how many points are they getting? So the Saints, they were, so the, the line immediately came out as the average sort of the home favourite. So the Pats were at three points favourite going into this one. And the line has now moved down to two and a half. But the most of the money has been coming, understandably, on the under. Mm. That has moved from 43 to 41 and a half. That is largely because both teams rank in the top six in yards per play allowed. So that means they are basically just their defenses are one of the strongest in the NFL and they're both bottom in in the bottom 10 in yards per play gained. So basically what they're saying is, which is incredible when you think about it, what we're talking about with like, I guess, the Saints and the Patriots that we so notoriously uh, fixate with Breeze and Brady, yeah. that these teams are two of the strongest defenses in the league and two of the yeah. worst offenses. I wonder where you sit on on the boom or bust often in the same game uh, situation you get with Jameis with that line. Because if you think, well, let's take a prototypical Jameis game of three touchdown passes, two picks. But, you know, the fact he's turned, the fact they turn over the ball a lot. I wonder if that, you know, that is tempting that in it, when you've got a turnover happy quarterback who can also throw a 70 yard bomb with his eyes closed, whether that just feels a little bit low given you know i'm not saying he's going to throw two pick sixes or but the fact he's prone to interceptions shouldn't have some bearing on the on the total i honestly think that uh, it's one of those where i think the sharp money is going to go in on the under Mm. and i think it's understandable because the statistics point towards that and that would be that bet where you think i'm going to sit and bet on the under because it makes the most sense but i honestly think that going down to 41 and a half that there is more value on the over, largely because I know Matt Jones hasn't, he's been solid and he's been composed throughout his start to the NFL. But I think he's averaging like four yards per That's completion. Dinky and dunky. Yeah. Dinky and, and dunking. And that will not, he wasn't doing that in Alabama. I, it wasn't no, dink I, and dunk. I wonder, yeah, with the ground game as well, because you'd assume the Saints will be able to shut that down. They did with Carolina, right? They were... Uh, well, across the season, 2.8 yards per carry against. Yeah, the defensive front is an elite for sure. And McCaffrey got um, on the ground anyway, was was shut down. Three yards per attempt is what he averaged, 72 uh, in total. So, And on the other McCaffrey, side, mm. um, as much as they are much maligned after what we saw, the Jets actually managed to get 336 yards of offense against the Patriots last week. But there were a lot of junk racking up I guess there would have been but at the same time they still managed to run the ball yeah and I don't think I don't think it wasn't like the lead was ever extreme <laughs> yeah it's true but it wasn't like I don't think I you can say it's junk yardage but I don't necessarily think that the offense is just not going to be this bad as it was against Panthers as it is going to be against the Patriots the problem is and this is where I'm torn will the Saints be able to run the ball or will Belichick do that classic Belichick thing where he just takes away the best player and by far the best player in this offense is Alvin Kamara yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's sound logic, uh, and also I, I did look actually at how many times Belichick has played Winston before. So obviously Winston in, in Tampa, right? Um, just would think that a player that is re- prone to risk, um, Belichick will try and exploit that and uh, and get in his head a little bit. In terms of looks, I uh, I could uh, yeah I could I can see the Patriots I could see the Patriots forcing turnovers. I really want to see how Mac Jones progresses. A lot of talk this week, a lot of editorial written about how Josh McDaniels isn't worried about Mac Jones being expansive and airing it out. We'll see it, and you know we need to give 
them time for obvious reasons to see how that offense develops. And in the same way that collectively and certainly defensively under Belichick's watch, the Patriots get better and better as the season goes on. That's true. And you extend that to McDaniels as well. And they are amongst the most effective uh, teams at getting progressively better as the season goes on, which isn't a given, right? And uh, uh, yet they are and they do that. So I think there's a lot of cause for optimism as we predicted at the start of the season. Of course, I had the Patriots as a playoff side and, you know, so far so good, I think. Yeah, so I was just going to say, so I think one of the things that will be key to this week, so two things to keep an eye out on for listeners is Lattimore and Gardner-Johnson's injuries. Mm. If Lattimore and Gardner-Johnson don't play, neither of them play, or if Lattimore doesn't play on his own, I'm taking you over every single day of the week for Mm -hmm. 41 and a half because Mm -hmm. New Orleans, they have a great defensive front in terms of being able to stop the run, but they didn't get any pressure on Sam Donald last week. Sam Donald have had all the time in the world and this mm-hmm. Patriots offensive line is much better than that Panthers offensive line. So I think yeah. Jones will have the time to throw the ball out and air the ball out. Yeah. So I would be honestly at three, I was probably leaning toward more towards this is how fine the margins are in, but this is, I was probably leaning more towards the saints because there's no way I see this game being a blowout either side. Um, I think it's going to be close. I think it could be a field goal game, but I think the Pats due to home field advantage, due to the fact the saints are living out of hotels, still haven't been home and they've had COVID issues. I'd be leaning probably towards the Pats minus two and a half and the over here. Mm. But don't not my by far in any way my like my best bet just because of the uncertainty surrounding both these teams right now. I think it's one of the most interesting games going into this week. Oh big time. Yeah. Week who are you gonna see? Week one Saints, week two Saints, and also the Pats, they're just always they're always divisive because of what uh Belichick and McDaniels do with Matt Jones. All right. So that isn't your surest thing this week, Propo. What is your Drew Lock of the Week? So just so everyone knows, Nat's Drew Lock of the Week this week, I think is controversial. After him slating me for uh, taking an under, which I think is one of the bravest things a man can do in sports gambling. Um, <laughs> if you say so yourself, yeah. Yeah, I think it's like it's like doing a kickoff return, you know? Like, I think that's basically what you're doing. You're just putting yourself right in the middle of it and making it, like it's just a horrible position to be in. So I, when Nat did that, what he's mm-hmm. about to do, I decided that I was going to go a little bit left field with my Drew Lock of the week this week. Mm. Okay, I'm not a massive fan of a lot of the lines. I think this is a really hard week to pick. Tough week. I it think is, it's really. I think the lines, at the start of the show. <laughs> yeah, we should, yeah, the lines tough are week. tough. I think they've set. I think the bookies are really testing us this week. Yeah, with the over, like cause I would have gone in immediately on like the Seahawks over, the mm-hmm. Bucks Rams over, but those things have all just crept up and up. On the mm-hmm. Monday, I would have had about four best bets. Yeah, now I don't have any because all of the lines have corrected to the point where I don't really like either That's side. What you say get in early, get the value early. Exactly, for sure. get the value early. So. My best bet of the week, my Drew Lock of the week is mm-hmm. Baltimore Ravens to have over 29 and a half points against the Detroit Lions. I like it a lot. So I'm not going on the spread because I think the Dan mm-hmm. Campbell, which we could have nearly seen against Green Bay if they hadn't mm-hmm. fumbled so many times or made so many mistakes. The Dan Campbell team, I'm scared of the backdoor covers. I think they're mm-hmm. going to be king of the backdoor covers this year. So I would have gone with the Ravens on the road to win mm-hmm. by seven and a half points. But I'm because of that number, I'm yeah. staying away from it. But what I do back is Lamar Jackson to continue this kind of form. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, Hollywood Brown has been one of the best receivers in the NFL this year. I'm just going to come out and say that. Mm-hmm. PFF has one of the highest ratings in week two. Mm-hmm. I thought he was excellent in week one as well 
on Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. And I think that he is giving Lamar Jackson the opportunities that he hasn't had in recent years. So I think Lamar will have fun throwing it. I think we're still waiting for Mark Andrews to kind of kick into gear this season as well. So I think mm-hmm. he has options. I think this, what, what, how many running backs do the Ravens have? Nine, eight, seven? It's, they're also trying out a few more uh, along uh, who else who are we talk about with Ben that is trying out TJ Yeldon and uh, yeah exactly I mean there's just oh I the think, 49ers yeah. yeah the 49ers I think whoever you put in that Ravens of, of that running game is going to succeed and mm-hmm. the D- Detroit Lions as much as I think they can put up points mm-hmm. I just think they're conceding points left right and centre I think they they mm-hmm. definitely they're not the kind of team that Ben doesn't break they just mm-hmm. break I like I like that I like the bet I like the logic I also like the way you always call Detroit Detroit I like Detroit. that uh, Detroit. Detroit I think he should carry on doing that I'm staying uh, so I've got uh, as you said a slightly left field lock of the week I've gone for a two team tease I love teasers to be fair but I just love think it I think it's I think it's as a lock I think it's a cop out uh, well since the manager just took it over as a lock why is that a cop out why is that because it's because the whole point of a all right no, yeah, but- I will give our listeners. I will give our listeners the option because I had another individual bet, which was an over. So if you're allowed team total, I'm allowed an over. Right, total. Over. Yeah, yeah, of course you are. Okay. Of course you are. So I'll, I'll give an under. I'll give I'll be an under. You can take it on. It's all right. So yeah, I'll give yeah. that as an option if you feel well, like Propo apparently does. My reason is is because I think the reason for like a lock is you should take a side of an argument and you have to be right on it. Whereas a tease, like I think that's the whole point of it, is is like you're taking a side which is in theory 50-50 and you are saying, no, I'm right about this. I thought Whereas a point- tease is, is like, I'm not going to let you speak. A tease <laughs> is... <laughs> I thought a lock was, the point of a lock was uh, to get the bet right and won. And yeah, but if, honestly, if you've opened a can of worms here because I love a tease and if you think <sighs> I'll do a tease every week for a lock. If we- or maybe we're only allowed a maximum, like a challenge yeah. flag of... Yeah, yeah, you had one, two or teases a year. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. All right. Well, I'm staying with the Ravens game. And for reasons you've just said, actually, that the the spread is worrying, but I think the Ravens win. Although I am intrigued by Detroit maybe being, not in this game, maybe being better than some people suggest. So I might get on Detroit later on in the season, but uh, in the right, with the right situation. But the Ravens are teasing to, to two and a half, minus two and a half uh, from seven and a half, as, as Old just said. Uh, and the other uh, similar line, the Cards and Jags, the Cards obviously seven and a half point favorites they're teasing that to three and a half against the jags which is a dangerous number but i'm big on the cards if you're really big on lamar and the ravens the ravens offense i echo that with kyler and and the cards right so this jacksonville side while it's interesting and while i think they're going to put up points um i they uh all kinds of work in progress and I think Arizona are in that groove and I think they make hay uh, on Sunday but I tease it down to three and a half that's evens but if you're not buying into my tease and you think that's a cop out the other game that caught my eye and I think it's gone up a point since I liked it but nevertheless I would probably still take it at the uh, the number it's at now and it might keep an eye on it 48 is the total uh, in the Falcons Giants 40 out. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking the over on that. I nearly took that as well. I love that pick. I'm glad you, I'm glad you like that. That's no, given really me, like that's that reassured me if proposing. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Ryan was scrapping and balling and obviously laid up on some points against Tampa Bay. I, I am still not 
giving up on Danny Dimes. And I think this Giants offense has all kinds of potential defensively <laughs> on either side of the ball. Come on. I'm surprised it's 48. I really am. And maybe I'm missing something glaringly obvious that Sharps out there right now are just shaking their heads uh, and thinking, mm-hmm. why are you not seeing this? But I can't see why that's not going to be a bit of a bit of a shootout. Uh, the reason is because I think the reason why it hasn't it doesn't necessarily get the love is because I think people are unfairly down on the Falcons' offense. Yes, I agree. And are also for some reason completely ignoring the fact that the defense is horrendous. And yeah. the Giants were one of the strongest unders teams under teams last year mm. because their defense completely outweighed their offense. But that's yeah. not really been the same this year so far. Last their defense year. hasn't looked that great. So I am fully in with that pick. That was close that. to being my lock of the week as well. Oh, that's good to know. Okay, all right, yeah. I like that. Now let's rattle through uh, because we've got propos props. Uh, we got our Acker. Uh, but without further ado, Matilda's pick of the week, the most Matilda's important part of the show. Uh, Sunday Night Football, Matilda's the cat. Uh, for those of you listening to Ed Rush for the first time, uh, Matilda the cat is a, my 17-year-old cat who is a 17-year-old cat in the body of a three-year-old cat. She is, I mean, a freak of nature. She is <laughs> just out every day, uh, roaming the neighborhood, um, a, a very, very powerful spirit, Matilda the cat, not least when it comes to picking Sunday Night Football. She picked the Ravens, football when thousands maybe millions propo were saying chiefs 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 all the way this week packers 49ers matilda the cat's gone for the san francisco 49ers that is that is wild <laughs> that is wild i think uh realistically though it's not a bad pick from her to be honest with you i'm a bit sad that we managed to move away from the bird focused games because i was True. looking forward to her taking the eagles against the cowboys and trying to justify that one like, but at the same time like the 49 49- like the birds she liked but- the falcons week one the which didn't go particularly well the the point is on this are we saying because matilda the cat and like i said at the top of the show biscuit in each hand uh, which one does she go for? She had a good sniff of the of the Packers, but then ate the 49ers biscuit first, right? Uh, are we saying she's taking the 49ers uh, and the points, or are we saying... No, just we... take the points. Yeah, it's the spread. Yeah, fine. So, so it's the spread. So it's not yeah. straight up. Okay. No, no, it's the spread. Matilda's taking the 49ers spread there. She's taking the 49ers spread. All right, there you go. So get on. Matilda's on a roll. So get on Matilda's pick of the week. Uh, propose prop bets. Yes. So this one, because of we are recording this on the Wednesday, mm. it's a little bit early. So the receiving lines haven't come out yet. So my first, so I'm going to go revert back to a couple of touchdown scorers that I like. And then there's one which I'm just calling a blanket receiving line, take the over, which is the DeHondre Hopkins over receiving line against Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm. Like, I understand this is bold, not knowing the number, but <laughs> the, Jagu- the Jaguars have allowed... Yeah. A little bit bold, but the Jaguars, it's not going to be over 100. I can guarantee that. They never, they never put it over 100, so it yeah. won't be over 100. Yeah. The Jaguars have allowed 291 yards to uh, wide receiver ones in week one and week two. Yep. And that is Brandon Cooks and Cortland Sutton. And with all due respect mm-hmm. to both of them, mm-hmm. they're excellent receivers, but they're not DeAndre Hopkins. Yep. Very few are. Love that. Hopkins okay. has 10 receptions, three touchdowns already this season. I expect Hopkins to have a massive, massive game against the Jaguars. The reason why I don't necessarily favor the touchdown scoring as well is because, and it's tough. We can always be on the wrong side of these. I mean, the, what happened 
Uh, yeah, like, so, for example, all three of my picks last week scored touchdowns, but only mm. two went over the receiving line. Yeah. It's just classic. It's just one or the other, usually. And we would said before, what we're going to do this week is take them as over. I know, I know. But it's just because, but it is right. You are, it should be, you should be taking the line more likely than the touchdown mm. scorers, just because there is a bit more science to it. But at the same time, I just think the Jaguars, Urban Meyer will be focusing on trying to keep Hopkins out of the end zone. Last year, mm-hmm. he only had six touchdowns on the year and was more of that kind of, what I call a Julio Jones back at the Falcons, where he was one who ate up all the yards, got them down the field, and then they throw to someone else in the red zone. Mm-hmm. I think they might try and take away Hopkins in the red zone this week and kind of look to someone else. I mean, he'll probably score, still score two touchdowns because the Jags, but yeah, I expect him to have a big, big game nonetheless. My next one is Jonathan Taylor to score a touchdown. Mm. Indy's offense has undoubtedly looked shaky through two games, but I think there's so much more to come from Jonathan Taylor. The Colts haven't even scored a rushing touchdown yet. Taylor has had seven carries inside the five-yard line Wow, and still he hasn't scored hasn't a touchdown. Scored. I don't think that is necessarily a reflection on him. I think that's a reflection on the fact that they came up against an LA Rams defense. Oh, that Rams stand. Yeah, of course. That Rams stand was just incredible. Yeah. So I don't think you can take anything away from Taylor in that yeah. point, whereas he's coming up against... Uh, Against the Titans team that can't really defend, to say the least. And especially can't really defend the run. that to Mike Vrabel's face. And yeah, defend sorry, the run Mike. In the red sorry. Zone. I mean, you're... Yeah, sorry, no, I think you're really okay. good. I think you're really good. I think Chris Carson scoring two touchdowns in the red zone last week had nothing to do with the fact that your defense can't really defend the run in the red zone. Uh, oh, I'm so also. clipping this up for when we're in LA and the Titans are in the series. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it to his face then. They'll lose to whoever it is. They'll lose to the Bucks. They can't stop the run. Um, but yeah, Kyle Murray proved it in week one as well that they can't really stop the run in the red zone. So, the Colts are going to have to rely on the run against the Titans because even if Wentz plays, he's going to be banged up. I don't mm-hmm. think Jacob Eason is the answer. So what do you do in that situation? You rely on the fact where the Colts will win this game, which is in the yeah. trenches. Yeah. They have a better defensive line. They have a better offensive line. Yeah. So they are going to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball and run the ball. So Jonathan Taylor will have a big old week. My last one. What's Jacob Eason done to you, Propo? He just came in through what three passes, and one of them was one of the worst throws I've seen. Honestly, I think I could have thrown it better. He threw it straight. Worse than my throw. Uh, the no, goal. nothing is worse than that throw. <laughs> nothing is worse than that throw. No, if anyone hasn't no, seen no, that, no. go through the archives. Nat can't throw a football. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, don't, I don't play uh, five aside football on Tuesday night, do I? I play five aside football. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, um, and your final, yeah, final bet. My <laughs> final one is CD Lamb to score a touchdown for the Dallas Cowboys against the Philadelphia Eagles. Another one of the narratives that you know I always buy into, Nat, is when the lights are bright, the stars will shine. (laughs) I've just made that. I've literally just made that up in my head. That's amazing. Let me just break that down. If the lights are bright, the stars will shine. Amazing. I think scientifically that is, is that completely wrong? Yeah, I think that's literally impossible. I think it is impossible. It's actually impossible, yeah. So I've just made that up, but it it is true. So you're going to be wrong back to back. So completely slagging off my throwing. And if the lights are bright, the stars are whatever. (laughs) There's a couple of t-shirts we're going to get from Edge Rush. One is uh, Back in the Birds. Back in the Birds, yeah. Back in the Birds. And if the... (laughs) If the, stars, the true lock of the if the lights are bright, the stars will shine. Yeah. But going back, the, if the lights are bright, the stars will shine in NFL terms, not mm-hmm. scientific terms for literal, yeah. Uh, yeah, whatever you want to call it, astronomy or whatever. CD, CD Lamb. You like CD, CD Lamb. Lamb. We're going back. CD Lamb to score a touchdown. Yeah. 
he is proving why everyone was raving about him in hard knocks, why everyone was talking about how big of a season he's going to have. He's already had 185 yards and a touchdown, and he has proven to be a safety net for Dak Prescott. Amari Cooper looks a little bit banged up. He doesn't look fully fit. Well, he didn't last week anyway. And well, Ribs, isn't it? Yeah, it's ribs. Amari. The Eagles won the trench battle against the Falcons, which gave Ryan, like Matt Ryan no opportunity to throw in week one. But in week two, Debo Samuel went for 93 yards for the Niners. I think the Eagles secondary will struggle against this elite passing attack. And it's Monday Night Football. The Mannings are watching. CeeDee Lamb is a star. He's going to have a big game. Love it, love it, love it. All right. Uh, our Acker of the Week is what we're going to wrap on. So we like, well, the Ravens over the Lions, I think we've already put that uh, put that argument across. Incidentally, you talk about Lamar burning things up. Uh, he, 107 rushing yards last week. That was fourth amongst running backs. <laughs> it was Incredible. in between Tony Pollard and Nick Chubb. Just to, just to be clear on how good he is. So the Ravens over the Lions, we like... Uh, we like the cards over the Jags. We've, I think, already put forward uh, that Valley Capelli argument. And number three, the Bills over Washington. Yeah. Now, we were knocking backs and forwards what Acker of the Week we wanted to do. And you had an alternative, which was better odds because it had a riskier... No, I've already gone against that one. I've gone against it already. So we won't go do that. So Bills over... But my only one is I'm worried about the cards. That was my only point. You're worried worried about the the cards to win the game. No, no, I'm not really worried about them yeah. winning the game. I'm okay. not really worried about them winning the game, but I'm just worried about the cards. I'm worried about the cards. I think yeah. that... May everyone's overhyping them a bit. Well, I'm not, yeah. but I understand why you're worried given what happened last season, but I think Kylie's injury was a big part of that. So I like the Bills over that Washington. That's huh? second. Uh, we'll get to that on another show because we don't have time now. Bills over Washington propose our third of the three. Uh, bounce back for the Bills. We're talking about correcting back to the norm. Yeah, that's not overreacting what we saw week one. Washington, for fairly obvious reasons, are limited offensively. I'm not sure about the line, but I like him straight up. I think the Bills get get the get the win. So Ravens, Cards, Bills, three team. Acker, money, line, treble. So take him straight up. Remember, don't worry about the lines on this one. It's evens, around about evens, we think. Just don't Yeah, worry. around about evens. And I think that should be a relatively safe bet. I think one week what we will do, because I think an Amer- this is more of like an American parlay, I'd call this. Yeah. Because Americans notoriously, I think, always gamble a little bit more reservedly than the English. The English, yeah. when we when you think of an Acker for the English, you usually think of about... 12 like, to 1. Yeah, for 20 to 1. I think, well, let's try next week, potentially, Nat. Let's mm. work on like a 10 to 1, 12 to 1 Acker. All right, fair enough. I a think that's what we do. I think this is more of a tease, if anything. I take your point. I take your point. I think we should do that. I, uh, I, I'm in my scorecard column, which I will be tweeting out incidentally. So I'm, uh, on, <laughs> well, that's what I mentioned it. I just want to mention no, it proper. No, yeah. I'm on Twitter at Nat Coombs, of course, as well as the show is at the NC show. I'll push it out uh, from both channels. Had a bounce back week because my week one picks were mm, not so great. Like all of us, right? Uh, like mm-hmm. supercomputer. Uh, we established was drowning his sorrows in a bar somewhere uh, after week one. But, Good bounce back week two, Ryle. Yeah, yeah. We'll start calling you the broken clock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots of uh, content out this week. Uh, pods to listen to. Uh, Iron Mike, if you want to go back to get his wisdom, get his stylings on what happened week two uh, ahead of the action this weekend. That's always worth checking out. So that was Monday. We had a college days with Ben uh, that dropped midweek. College days, if you haven't checked out the format yet, we look at... Hot prospects from college that are going to be, we think, 
first, second round picks next season and give you a bit of insight into what to expect, what kind of players they are, who are they like in the NFL. Players you're going to be seeing suiting up in the NFL next season, college days, as well as picking out a few of the big college games of the weekend as well. Uh, and our week three preview with Ben Isaacs. Uh, that dropped uh, uh, Thursday. So three episodes as well as this one to go and check out. Uh, make sure if you haven't, you subscribe to us, then you won't miss a show easy peasy uh, and if you have five minutes uh, in particular go and show some show some edge rush love that's what we want to see particularly big up propo on itunes and matilda yeah matilda and propo i want to see comments on itunes that big up both of them and we'll read them out so how about that if there are comments over the next couple of weeks that big up either propo or matilda on itunes or whichever platform you're on you can leave comments on uh, we'll read them out read them out on the show how about that uh brilliant oh enjoy the action my friend best of luck yeah, it will be fun. It will be really fun. I'm looking very much looking forward to it. The Ryder Cup as well. It's a big old weekend. Big old weekend of gambling for, for probably. So, <laughs> yeah. around for the show next week. Uh, yeah. Get me out of hock somewhere. All right, enjoy that. Uh, indeed, all of you out there, enjoy the weekend as well. We'll be back Monday. I'm Mike. He's stateside, so that'll probably be dropping a slightly later than normal on Monday. Uh, but our week three review with me and I, Mike Monday. See you then. Bye for now. Podcast Network.